Here we are, kids. It's still sober with John Raven. How you doing? Uh, if you're a sober person, hope you're staying sober. If you're not a sober person, hope you're staying sane. Listen, it's been a hell of a week for me. Not really. Now that I say that out loud, it's like, oh man, it's been a week. It hasn't been. I did work a lot. So I don't have any like life experiences to talk about other than <clears throat> I worked uh, damn near 60 hours last week, I think. And uh, this week's uh, going to be slightly less busy, but still very busy. So I'm going to be hammering that out in two weeks. I am apparently, uh, I haven't said anything because I've just been like, I just, uh, December is so far away. It's not that far away. It's about three weeks away. But uh, if anybody in the Austin area, I'm actually going to be headlining at the Velveeta Room uh, December 8th and 9th. And they're going to be very interesting shows. <clears throat> I'm gonna be have I'm gonna be coming at it from a completely different angle than I have before. They're gonna be very laid back. I just uh, I didn't you know uh, I'm not gonna be rusty as much as I'm gonna be kind of kind of just like eh I'm gonna have fun with it. I'm gonna be very relaxed. I'm going to perform specifically for my buddy who is managing the club. So if there are other people that show up, I guess I'll perform for them too. But so it should be fun. But that's uh, that's in a few weeks, December 8th and 9th, if you're in the Austin area um, and you uh, can stand dealing with uh, 6th Street. I'm not sure I can stand dealing with 6th Street. Uh, uh, we'll see. But... Um, but you know that's that's what's going on. So um, I, what else? What else was going on? I learned that you can, if you think that you don't like something, but everybody around you likes it, and it's supposed to be very good. But you just didn't uh, didn't much care for it, whether it be some some kind of form of entertainment, right? It's worth giving it an, a second shot because I was at work today uh, with a couple of the couple of the guys, the temp guys. We're using temp agency, and uh, we're I have some of the same guys that keep coming back, and um, you know we're getting kind of chummy. Uh, we're talking about music, listening to different music. We listening to funk today, listening to James Brown and then listen to the JBs. Um, and then if I listen to the JBs for a while, I typically play Parliament after that. So I did that for a while. But we ended up, we were like listening to whatever. And I mentioned, because they were on the, on the topic, and I just kind of casually mentioned, you know, I, I just don't... Uh, Aside from like three or four songs, I'm just not that into Tupac. And they looked at me like I had a second nose growing out of my fucking forehead. Like they just stared at me like I was insane. Like 
are you why and trying to explain it they uh it you know it it just didn't uh, they're like oh, no, all right you know well we've got plenty of time and we're just playing music maybe revisit it and i'm like all right so we listened to tupac for two hours today the last two hours i waited till like last two hours of the shift when there was a lot of people just not around so we could just listen to whatever didn't have to worry about the music being uh <laughs> inappropriate so and about 30 minutes in i'm like you know what i i believe i was wrong um there's some goddamn bangers and i think what it was is when i was uh casually going through his discography at the time because i'd never really gotten into uh, into his music other than you know the, the songs i hear in passing the, the ones that everybody knows um if you listen to certain things in the wrong order you'll get a lot of his introspective like like contemplative version you know mode of, of of Tupac versus like gangster Tupac or you know shit talking Tupac or um just some different ones and you could actually get like like a few softy kind of just uh, uh songs in a row and if you if it hits you too if you get you you listen to like four of those in a row. You're like, I don't know what everybody sees in this, uh, this particular uh, hip hop artist, but you got to just go through it. You just got to listen and holy shit. I went, Hey, you know what guys? This, this Tupac's pretty good. Yeah. Motherfucker. We know. So that was nice. It was nice to, nice to get my, uh, uh, my perception changed. Corrected, maybe? Corrected probably is more of a accurate statement. It's like, uh, no, you're absolutely, you know, no matter, I don't know what kind of mood you were in last time, but uh, let's go into it with an open mind again. And and let's see what you really think. So, so that was cool. I was in a... Uh, an H-E-B close to work, which is not a great H-E-B. It's a grocery store for those of you not uh, uh, in the Texas area. So I was in the grocery store and waiting in line for the self-checkout. It's a woman behind me. And this guy who was uh, very... He was dressed very... Uh, I don't know, uh, gang member-ish. He had dreads. He was strutting like he was big, but he was built like me. And he was speaking at the top of his lungs to no one, or maybe to everyone in the grocery store as he walked down the aisle. And he basically yelled, I ain't no motherfucking snitch. Fuck all you motherfuckers. I ain't no goddamn snitch. 
And he said that like twice, that, that, that exchange as he's walking to, I don't know, buy cotton balls or whatever the hell he's had. He was going to the grocery store for, and I just turned to the lady behind me and I went, you know, just, just want to point out that, um, typically only snitches say that. Which I thought was funny. I got no reaction from her. She just looked at me. And I'm like, all right, well, I don't even know why I try. People always have stories about how clever they are in public. And then I said, ooh, and everybody went, oh, but then you're in public. I actually do say clever shit. And um, sometimes people just clam up and like, why is he talking to me? I was being hilarious. My timing was great. I don't know why I got no reaction. And then um, got to self-checkout, checked all my stuff out. Guy yelled again as he was walking around. I'm sure security was on their way. And I looked over to the uh, employee that was monitoring all the self-checkout. She's like, you have a good day. And I looked over to where the yelling had come from. And I was like, man, meth is a horrible drug, isn't it? She said, indeed. (laughs) And I left. And I bring this up because I read an article that reminded me that there's more going on than just uh, with drug addiction than just the opioid epidemic. That is, of course, the biggest problem, fentanyl being the biggest problem. So that gets the most information, that gets the most coverage. Even though right now it's getting very little coverage. I don't know if you Google news, uh, fentanyl or opioid, you'll get a few articles, but it is not like it's been pushed off the uh, front page by uh, the Israel, you know, Israel Gaza thing and um, politics and God knows what else is going on. But. Uppers, man. Uppers are also an issue. Last year, um, it was uh, 30 plus thousand overdose deaths of of, uh, meth and somewhere like 20 something thousand OD deaths of cocaine. Although, to be fair, a lot of that is because there's fentanyl in the cocaine. A lot of these are contributing by because people will do both uppers and downers to kind of get a balance. So it's, it's kind of hard sometimes to, um, to really nail down. All right. Which one's the guilty party. Right. But I think it's safe to say, and I always focus on opioids and fentanyl. Um, that has my interest, not only because it's the biggest, um, OD, you know, addiction uh, culprit, but because that's my background. That's what I, you know, I was a downers guy. So that's what I focus at because, you know, cocaine was never a big deal to me. I considered it a waste of money. I was like, you know how much heroin you can get with this amount of money? And we're just spending it on Coke that does very little to me other than great. I get to stay up and drink more. Yay. 
I would have rather kept those $40. So, but I think the issue really is not necessarily it's like, oh, which one should be focused on? I think the problem is just addiction in general uh, has to do with just the state, the mental and emotional state that we are all in today because of what's going on. Session, a lot of stress. People are kind of polarized. They're reading too much news. They're reading too many posts by people who, you know, they know who have kind of lost their own shit. They're making their own outlandish opinions. You know, whatever they're doing on social media, that's a waste of time. Um, but it shouldn't be a surprise that, uh, addiction issues are on the rise because people need to escape because it's, it's just, it's just what happens when, when shit kind of goes awry, that's, that's the, the avenue you go down. Um, so it is definitely just in general. It's an issue. And I know that uh, they're clamoring. People are clamoring to, you know, officials, both local, no, local, state, and nationally about, you've got to do something about this uh, addiction epidemic. And nobody seems to have any answers because, well, number one, you can't. <clears throat> How do you make somebody fix their life? As I've always meant, as I always say, it's, it's, you have to give people the opportunity and then it's, then the responsibility is on them. They have opportunities, then they can take it and maybe they have a shot. But what happens is, you have very, when you're in that situation, the only people that have money to pour into addiction, you know, like rehabs, like legit rehabs are rich, rich people who have kids that have addiction problems. So you send rich kids to rehab and those kids don't take it seriously it's really kind of wasted on them. They use it as a vacation to get away from their families, to kind of take a break. So you've got rehabs that are full of either rich people, rich kids who have the money to pay for it, or federal inmates, you know, government-sponsored kind of uh, inmates who uh, need uh, treatment. And they're probably, the, and they're only there because they want to avoid a longer prison sentence. So rehabs, pretty much, you've got about 25% of the people at rehab want to change and get better. And then you got 75% of people who are either a drug dealer or 
a criminal who also uses or just a rich kid on safari. Um, <clears throat> so what I would think is that yeah, the best thing to do would be to, um, to be able to have like state and federal funding for people who can't afford good rehabs. I read another article that was kind of depressing. That's of something that happened in Arizona where they did, they had funding for, um, specifically native Americans who did not have, uh, the funds to get treatment and they qualified to get, um, to be able to go to treatment and have their treatment paid for them. The problem is that this, uh, there was a lot of fraud involved. There was a lot of fly by night bullshit rehab facilities, treatment centers where people pocketed the money bought cars and all kinds of shit and then provided inadequate services and, and treatments programs as well as like a sober, sober living facility that is not monitored. So people are using in their sober housing and all this other stuff. Not one of these things, not one of these things where there are rules, but there are people trying to fly under the, under the radar. It's just, it was just pandemonium. And, um, they're just now kind of combing through that and, and busting people. So it's the problem with treatment centers is you got to get them accredited, but how, and also how do you, how do you find a quote unquote good rehab center? Because you can't look up the results. The whole idea is, you know, nobody, you don't, you don't keep track of people after they get out of rehab. It's like, oh, we've got a, this, this is our, uh, our, we've got a high success rate. How the fuck do you know? You know, after, you know, 30 to 90 days, depending on, you know, how good the program is after that amount of time. They go into a, a outpatient treatment or they go into some other kind of thing. They go on their own. You don't know. You don't know how successful, how long their run is. There's no way to to know if anything is good or not. What a pain in the ass that is. I think that it's just, it's complicated. Like everything else, it's complicated. But you've got to figure out some kind of way to prevent fraud because anytime that you've got the ability to obtain money from the government, there's going to be somebody who's going to try to take advantage of it and, you know, defraud the government. And I'm one of these people that, like, if you figure out a hustle and a way to get, get a paycheck, from the government. Well, kudos. You pulled it off. Unless it's a thing where you're taking advantage of somebody who's suffering. And 
your actions are directly connected to severe harm and slash or death of other people like this. So we got to do better. You can't just throw money at a problem and think, well, this ought to help. You've got to actually put some effort into it. I think a lot of people just are overwhelmed with so much that's going on that this is just another, unless it's directly affecting your family, nobody, they just don't give a shit. They're, you know, you get a lot of, a lot of the rhetoric. They're all like, this is a serious problem. And, you know, I support blah, blah, blah to do whatever we can to uh, help people in need. Anyway, I, got an appointment on the golf course i'll uh, see you later so i don't know we need to do better still soberpod at gmail.com for any questions or comments that are positive to neutral i think that'll be it for this week appreciate it uh, we'll talk to you next week all right later Disconnect the telephone line